coming up in today's episode. Now I'm going to school full time. I have eight children and I'm their sole financial support. I was getting four hours sleep a night. So in the mornings, I would sit down and take my to-do list and say, what should I do today? And that's when my life began to change. Welcome to episode 78 of Enter the Mind podcast, the most real talk, no nonsense podcast on the empowerment of the mind. In today's episode, we'll be interviewing Margaret Agard, award-winning author, Christian mystic, and Reiki level two healer. Margaret, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Robert, Kira. Yeah, thanks for coming. Um, Kira, would you like to start us off with the first question? I want to know, did you ever have any conflicting beliefs in the beginning of being a Christian, but also practicing Reiki? Yeah, well, I did. I did have a concern. Now, I spiritually, I've always felt connected to the divine and have made okay. an effort to do that, which is why I say I'm Christian mystic. But Reiki, this idea of kind of putting my hands out, dealing with like this energy flow, and even, even you know, I have a degree in math, I get quantum mechanics, but it was still a little weird to me. And so I actually just took that in prayer. So God, what do you think? And he's like, well, did Jesus touch people when he healed them? <laughs> Jesus just kind of, did he kind of do distance Reiki where he'd be like, you know, the guy's coming and he says, look, you don't have to come to my house because I know you can do it from here. And he's like, wow, that's faith. And then he heals this, you know, guy's servant from the distance. And I thought, okay, I get it. I can, I can connect to that same um, energy. Wow. That was the best answer I've ever heard in my life. And it's, it's clear as day. It's, it's completely clear and simple. Well, I can't help but ask right now, then, if you think uh, Jesus used Reiki. We're connecting to a force, a life force. Did Jesus connect to a life force? I think so. He raised the dead. So, yeah. And just in case people have not heard of Reiki before, what would be the very brief, concise definition? Key, I know, is life, right? So I, I always think of it as life force. And it's like electricity. When I first did it, I thought, oh, it's weird. I can actually feel this. People would say, oh, I feel that. I feel like heat through my whole body when you're doing that. And I thought, hmm. And then I thought, well, you know, my husband uses a TENS machine. You know, he puts a little thing here and a thing up there and he turns it on. He can feel. He can feel that. People can feel um, Reiki when you do it. They, they feel it flow through their body. So what got you started on this journey? Well, the Reiki part or the Christian mystic part? Uh, I would say both, whichever came first. As a child, of course, I went to church and we learned to sing the songs. I went to vacation Bible school, which was big back when I was a child. And then one day I went into a church building and I had this feeling that I, I would describe it as up to then, I learned a lot about God and Jesus. That day, I felt like I met him. It was just so powerful. And then even as a, a young child, I had this little tiny Bible. And when I was upset, I would go back in my room and read that. And I'm talking about second grade, third grade. And as I read it, I just felt calm. I knew the calm feelings I could get, but I don't remember ever hearing words. And so in my 20s, I actually went and said, how do I hear you? How do I know which of all the thoughts in my head is you, is you speaking to me? And I had experiences where I would have a thought to do a good thing, I would kind of blow it off, and I'd think it again. Mm -hmm. think it, and about the third time, I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this. I'm going to do this. 
And that's when I really began to discern his voice. And after, you know, 50 years of that, we have conversations. And I get to ask him questions. He answers me. I'm like, hmm. And so when I was in my 40s is when I was, my life was so overwhelming. I was executive in the high-tech industry. When I started in the high-tech industry, you just had to be smart. You didn't have to have a degree. But now they're all going out to get public offerings and all that. And like, oh, we have to show that people have degrees. We're looking for degrees. So I thought, okay, I'm going to finish up my last two semesters to get a degree. So now I'm going to school full time. I have eight children and I'm their sole financial support. And I thought, any one of those is a full-time job. And what was working for me in the past, which was to set priorities, I mean, I knew how to set priorities. I was an executive. I knew how to focus on the things that really mattered and not do the things that didn't but they all mattered. There was something that mattered. And I was getting four hours sleep a night. And it seemed like everything I chose to do, not everything, but often the thing I chose to do, like I say, I'm going to work on this paper because it's due tomorrow. Then I spend five or six hours finishing it up. I'd get to the class and there'd be a note on the door. Oh, the professor's sick. Paper won't be due till Friday. Or, you know, I'd take a, a a report to a client and they'd say, hmm, you know, we've completely changed how we want to do that. I mean, we're going to pay you for doing it, but still, that's not what we need. And so what finally sank in is, I, I don't know what's coming in the future. I keep doing things that don't matter or don't have to be done right then. And I thought, well, I know who does know. <laughs> that's God. So I'm going to start asking him. So in the mornings, I would sit down and take my to-do list and say, what should I do today? And and that little thought, that sense of this is good, this is good. No, you don't. No, you don't need to do that. Cross that out. And sometimes put something else in often. And often it was call someone <laughs> or take a meal to someone. It was something good. And that's when my life began to change. But at, if I only did what he did, if I didn't add things, you know how we are, like we have ADHD. Oh, I think I'll do this too. You know, oh, you know what? I think I'll just make great photo albums for all my kids in the midst of all this, that kind of thing. You know, that you think, oh, it was like, no. I feel like when that happens to me and like, I feel like I'm just overloaded, I give it to God. And then he usually like, I'll have a natural inspiration to do that. And I'll be like, oh, like God, like doesn't need me to do this today. So it's almost like I give him everything and then he puts the most natural in front of me and takes away the urge to do anything else. So is that, is that similar? That's good, Kira. That really is good. And a lot of women do have that sense, you know, and they have a sense, they have a sense like, oh, you know what? I should bring something with something pops as you're yeah. leaving the house yeah, and you right. go back and get it, right? And yeah. well, sometimes you don't. And then you find out, gosh, I wish I had. What happens to me is he often is very clear. You don't need to do this. And I think, mm, yeah, I do. <laughs> so, I, so I'll give you an example. I've really had to learn to trust that voice. I've really had to learn to trust it. First, yeah. by just the good things that happen when I do. You know, once it was like, bring an extra pen to my writer's group because someone's going to need it. And I thought, who goes to a writer's group without a pen? But sure enough, I sat next to someone who said, do you have an extra pen? I do. <laughs> and I, I I just happened to have one. And then another time, I was like, we had an internet business and I was up and getting ready to do our orders on a Monday morning. And that's half the week because we didn't ship on Saturday or Sunday. So we've had orders from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on Monday morning. And, you know, on our website, it says we ship next business day. 
And we honored that. You know, we could be sick, whatever. We're going to get those orders out. And so when the thought came, you don't need to do the orders today, I thought, hmm, you're wrong on this one. So I'm doing those orders, even if it took a couple hours. And I go down to the post office and it was President's Day. So it wasn't open. Yeah. So it wasn't only the good things that happened. It was the things like, see, I told you. <laughs> I think this is a fascinating angle uh, to look at prioritizing because it's something that doesn't come up too much. It does remind me, though, of uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Stephen Covey's uh, in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He talks about the importance and urgency matrix where um, you there's four different categories, right? Right. Uh, based on whether something is important or not important and urgent or not in urgent. And when you mentioned that God told you to call this one person, that made me think of the category of, oh, it's not urgent, but it's very important. Well, that's exactly what I was doing that wasn't working because I would say papers due today, got to get it done. You know, that was urgent and important, right? If I wanted to have a good grade. And yet when I would go in and there would be like the sign on the door, I'd think, okay, but how come? And so that's when, that's when I began asking God because I thought he knows, he knows I don't know. Now there were a few things that happened that go along with this that, you know, Stephen Covey's thing isn't going to help with. Right after the divorce, I thought, I just need a friend. I need a, a huggy friend. That's what I want. A huggy friend that I can talk to. And one of the things that I wrote down on my do this was take a meal to this neighbor. And I thought, oh like, I don't have enough to do. But I took the meal to the neighbor and basically said, look, God said, bring you a meal. And we became best friends, like third grade best friends. Only we could drive and have money. It was like, great. You know, it was just a friend of my heart and very huggy. And so I had a thought to do a service, to do something helpful. And God gave me my best friend. So would Stephen Covey have made that important urgent? I don't know. Right. The way you describe it, it's almost like there's a fifth quadrant that is almost unexplainable. <laughs> yes. Um, but these inspirations come to you. Uh, it finally sinks in. Oh, because I'm, I'm Christian. I started thinking, maybe instead of saying, what should I do today? Here's my list. What do you, what, which of these should I do? Maybe I should start asking, what do you want me to do today? Now, for, for people from a Christian background, there's the Lord's Prayer. Even if you're not Christian, you've probably heard it. You know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth the way it is in heaven. I'm trying to imagine whatever you think heaven is like. Um, here's this creator who has this great work going on to, you know, bring people up to the highest light possible. And here come the angels running up. Hey, I've got all these projects going on. I've got all this stuff I need to do. Can you help me with this? Or do they go up and say, what, I'm, I'm really committed to your work. What do you want me to do today, God? And so that's when my life really began to change. I really like the, the way that you speak about the voice of God coming into your head. Because there are a lot of memes about it on Instagram and everything. Like my angels looking down on me once I finally get the, the message that they were, they were trying to send me. And it's nice to know that like this little voice that's like telling you to do specific things and not do specific things. Like that's, that's God, man. Like he's, 
like it's 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 god and you know whoever your version of god is whoever you know you portray as god that's god speaking to you i wanted to make sure at some point we clarified uh the uh when you say god what you mean by that because i did notice on uh whether it was your website or somewhere else it uh it it also listed higher power spirit inner voice and so i wanted to kind of clarify are there different ways to think about god or is it depend on who you are i i i do think there are different ways to think about god and because i've been involved with aa adult children in particular because my grandfather was an alcoholic and those those um attitudes get passed down and my husband's father was an abusive alcoholic so a lot happened to him and they often use the word higher power because people are put off by the word father they had bad fathers and they just think of God as like, if I use the word father, I'm thinking of the father I had. In my case, I do think of him as my father. I do believe we're his spirit children. I know you mentioned earlier, you had to learn to discern your own thoughts or Which were, voice yeah. versus God's voice, right? How does one learn how to do that? I think it comes to everyone differently. So I'm listening to Kira. Like Kira's like, you know, I just think, oh, this is the right thing. And a lot of people can respond like that, where I I feel like, oh, is this God or my ADHD speaking? Like, I don't know. So I really have to had to learn. And part was to, as as I said, I I asked, will you help me learn it? And then the second thing was the thought will come back. It's very quiet. I've kind of blown it off and it's different from, I think I'll have that chocolate. No, you're not having chocolate. It's more like, um, why invite these people to dinner? No, I've got too much going on. Then invite these people to dinner. No, I have too much going on. And then the third time I'm like, oh, oh, this is probably God. Then I do it. And I've done it for enough years now, 50 years, that I'm a little faster at it. Also, I journal. That helps when I write because I, I ask a question, I'll start to write, 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 write. And then I, at some point, I think, oh, wait, this is God. This is not me writing this. And also, he uses words that I know but don't use. We were going up to Alaska. We we're going to move up there for a couple of years. And I was a little, like, nervous, <clears throat> dark, cold, grizzly bears. And so I was trying to make sure I had everything. And at some point, I said, is there's something else I need to do? And the thought was immediate. Take a brisk walk every day. Now, I know the word brisk. I have never, ever written or used the word brisk. I know what it means, but I don't, I never say just brisk outside today. But and I knew what it meant. So that's how he speaks to me. It happened to me the other day on the, on the beach. I was meditating and all of a sudden I like heard his voice come into my head. And I just started writing and I just started speaking aloud. And I was like, all right, God, I hear you. I hear you. There's, <laughs> there's no way this is me. There's, there's absolutely no way. I tout another person's book on here because I love his book. It's called 365 Thank Yous. And then I think the name has been changed to a simple act of gratitude, but you can always find it. It's John Kralik. And he wasn't, you know, particularly, I mean, he probably grew up in a church, but he wasn't going to church or anything. And at some point he's in the mountains, his whole life is falling apart. And he hears a voice say, until you are grateful for what you have, you will never get what you want. And then a couple other things happen. And he started writing a thank you letter to someone every day. 
and his book. Uh, it's amazing what happens wow. to him in that book. And I had a similar experience where, you know, with all those kids constantly worried about finances and, and I just never trusted, you have to trust the voice, right? Like fear will stop it from happening. And yeah. so I was trying to trust the voice and I said, we've had so many downturns. I don't even trust it anymore. I don't even know how to start trusting that financially we'll be okay. And the thought came, I want you to write a thank you letter to a, to some person had to be, I couldn't be just sitting there. Hey, thank you for flowers. I had to actually write physically a thank you letter to a person. I did that for 180 days and I've never worried since. Everything's always been fine. Yeah. I really like the point that you're making in regards to the practice effect or it, it it's not an either or it's not like oh i can't hear the voice or i can't do it or or one day a switch turns on and now you can suddenly hear it it took you a while i don't know if we're talking on the scale of weeks or months or years but um what what it was the scale where it, you you developed this over time i think the fact that i could hear the voice started in my 20s and I didn't consistently try to hear the voice, if that makes sense. It was more like I I would just be, oh, wait, I think this is God. Well, once you hear it, you keep wanting to hear it, right? So, yes, it took practice. Yeah. yeah. And over time, I became better at it, like playing the piano. Yeah. A question about the book. What went on in this process of such a beautiful birth of your book into the world? Well, Kira, I wish I could say it was like that because a lot of people, it is like that for their books. And, but for me, the thought I had was after I'd gotten married and I was now close to 50, the thought came, and this was in 99, around then, write your life on the internet. Now, this is before blogs were big. I was like, okay, you know, I don't have a clue how to do that. I'm often saying that, you know, I don't have a clue. Um, and I found this place called Open Diary. I started writing and people could respond. It was, they, it was um, anonymous. So you could just really write from your heart and not worry about being judged. And so I began to write these things that were happening to me. And I saw how people responded and I read their posts and I became a better writer and became a better storyteller. But after that had gone on for a couple of years, the thought came, I want you to turn this into a book. And I thought, oh, I should take these and try to figure out how to make chapters or something, right? And I was like, no, this is the book. I want you to just go through and pick the most important stories that you've written over the last two years and turn it into a book. My book has been mm, 20 years in the making, Kira. That is absolutely <laughs> amazing. Clearly, it was divine timing that brought you to this exact point and uh i think it's it's beautiful proof once again um this has been a wonderful interview so how can people find your book um in his footsteps.com on the website i list the three books two are out one is being worked on and i have a newsletter that you can sign up for i just include similar stories to what i shared today I do it once a month. I'm too lazy to do it more. You won't get spammed. <laughs> and at the bottom of the page is links to my Facebook, Instagram, all my social media accounts. Great. I'll put a link to that website in the show notes. And once again, thank you so much for joining and sharing all this you know, wonderful outlook and information insights. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Carry your fun.
Ja, thanks. <laughs> <laughs>